I'm Bryn Plummer, host of the podcast Twin Day, Rethinking Entrepreneurship. Twin Day is key Swahili for Let's Go, and it's our rally cry here at the EC. It represents the vibrant passion and strategy of Nashville's entrepreneurs who continuously strive to grow their businesses. It's also the name of the EC's program dedicated to leveling the playing field for entrepreneurs of color. This show is a production of the EC, and it's all about engaging in open and honest conversations with incredible Black and Latinx business experts, investors, and successful founders located throughout Tennessee and other parts of the United States. Behind every great entrepreneur is a compelling story, a passion to change the current narrative and turn roadblocks into opportunities. Before we dive into today's conversation, we would like to extend a special thank you to the generous support of the David and Rebecca Clements family for making this podcast, Twin Day Rethinking Entrepreneurship, possible. For folks who don't know Brittany, we're going to start this episode really learning her backstory like we do with so many of the guests on the Twin Day podcast. So Brittany, tell us about yourself, tell us your title and what you do. Sure. Well, thank you, Bryn. Excited to be interviewed on the Twin Day podcast. So current title here at the EC is Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer, relatively new title and role and really excited about all of the great work that you've done and laid the foundation for and continuing to build on that here at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. And then I also get to serve as CEO of Career Thrivers, which is the leadership development firm that I own and actually uh, got to grow and build out of this building. So kind of a full circle moment. That's part of why I'm, I was so excited when you expressed interest in the role, because there is something about programs, products that are designed and led by the users who know them most intimately, that just makes me excited as someone who's seen so many different companies come and grow, come and go and grow over the years. So super excited to have you here and to be sitting with you. Let's start with a question that I usually ask guests on the show. Tell me about the sights, sounds, smells of your childhood. So when I think about my childhood, one of the first things that comes to mind is sitting at the kitchen table with my parents and with my brothers and my dad sharing with us that the biggest room in our house is the room for improvement. He is one that always would have a line for us to kind of, it's interesting that maybe we like didn't fully grasp then, but like now is like, oh, that makes so much sense. And like I've come to find I've really modeled my life around. So growing up, I am uh, the daughter of Kenneth and LaBrenda Johnson. I have two older brothers, and I'm a Nashville native, so grew up right here in Nashville, Tennessee. And my dad is uh, the graduate of American Baptist College of uh, the or American. Oh gosh totally messed that up. No, that's right. American Baptist College, right? Yes, American Baptist College. I was trying to put theology in there uh, <laughs> as well. So yes, he's a pastor. So I grew up daughter of a pastor and going back and forth to church in Columbia, Tennessee. So whereas I grew up in a household with two college graduates, my brothers and I didn't really want for anything. I had this really good balance of also knowing what it's like to maybe not have everything that you need and going to church in a community where just family and presence and love and joy was really everything on a weekly basis. And so I definitely grew up with this strong sense of family, strong sense of community, and this real strong priority around education as well, because my mom was one of the first uh, to integrate 
the University of South Carolina. So she was from Charleston, South Carolina. And so she was definitely the stickler for all things like school related and discipline in the household. And dad was like, here's the practical lesson with the line that you'll always remember and yes. <laughs> how to make these scriptures like relevant to your life. So a uh, really good balance in the home growing up. Uh, and I like know I can picture your dad saying these things, having seen oh, him gosh. at different events. And like, I can totally <laughs> picture him saying these things. And I don't know how it didn't dawn on me before that he was a man of the cloth. Yes. He has that sort of regalness Still. to him. Yes. Still. Still. So and I also didn't know you were a Nashville native. I think it might have really? the way back in my brain somewhere. Yeah. But I yeah. don't think I knew that. I don't think it was at the front this of my brain home. where it should be. Let's speed up a little bit. So take us from college to career. Yeah. So college to career, I was on this pre-law track at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville and shout out to pre-law abandoners yes go Vols the best that. yep 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 <laughs> and uh, I was introduced to the world of corporate if you will through Inroads so I'm I'm an Inroads intern Inroads is a career development organization leadership development organization who has been doing DEI work for over 50 years now and so I uh, did two years a two-year summer internship with Pfizer and was offered a full-time role and initially thought, hey, I'll do this. I'll go back home to Nashville. I'll save. I'll go to law school. And 12 years later, uh, ended up there and um, did a lot of commercial leadership work in sales and marketing. And also, in addition to that, was always leading something DEI related. So while at the time we didn't have a full-on DEI office or team, uh, I got to lead a lot of that work regionally, nationally, mm. as the kind of plus one project, if you will. And I know there are many uh, corporate leaders, current and former, that know what that's like to balance the yeah. responsibilities of full-time while yes. also having another really full-time um, opportunity to make the organization more inclusive. Totally. And, the, and when did you start to get the sense that it was going to be time to step out and start your own thing? Or did you even, when you had the idea for Career Thrivers, did you envision it as a full-time I should also say that that Brittany is also an author. And so what happened first? Like, line the things up for me yeah, in terms yeah. of when did you get the idea for a business? When did you decide to launch it? When did you go full time? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, paint that story. So it was 2015. I was living in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I actually started first in image consulting business. So I was moving up and through corporate, and I've always had a love for fashion. And so I... Had an idea years prior, but moved on it in 2015 to start helping women like have the look that was in alignment with the kind of leadership role that they wanted. So most of my clients at the time, whether I was doing personal styling with them or personal shopping for them, were working women, women that were in corporate either that had just gotten promoted or were looking to get promoted. And so they wanted the wardrobe to match where they were headed. However, the conversations in those moments, whether it was in a walk-in closet or in a dressing room at a store, quickly turned from fashion to resume or I have this challenge with my manager. What do you think about this? And so I quickly pivoted 2020 uh, top word of the year into career coaching. And that really led me into okay, it's one thing to work with diverse talent to say, hey, you've got to show up and know how to speak up and walk the talk and have the language and look the part. It's something completely different if that very same talented man or woman is in a space where they're still not seen, heard, and valued. So mm. you can coach to a point, but it became really, really clear doing that work that it's really not so much about trying to fix or even sometime upskill 
the diverse talent. It's really about having the conditions and the organization and the culture that's created where that very same talent can thrive. And so for me, it was a perfect storm of internal organizational change within Pfizer, which was the the company that I left. And also just this continuous kind of pull and push. And as a woman of faith, I knew that that was the Lord really showing me that, hey, there's an opportunity for you to do more than coaching. There's an opportunity for you to really do what you're doing inside of your organization and have a more immersive and expansive impact, helping other organizations do the very same thing, making the workplace work for everyone. And so it was through kind of that intersection that I took the leap of faith and decided to take a package. So technically, and I was having this conversation actually earlier today, and someone was a little bit surprised, like, oh, you got a severance package, which means you were laid off. And I'm like, yeah, technically I was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, through some organizational change and, and roles changing and had an opportunity to stay. But I'm like, I don't know that I would ever have another opportunity to be able to take a leap of faith with a year of severance. And so in 2019, a year of, (laughs) let me get closer to the mic. A year of severance is something that I think has every entrepreneur who is thinking about transitioning from a nine to five to their full time. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine a a better cushion to do that a year of severance. So yeah. And I think it's important. (laughs) I think it's important too. I try to always share that because I don't have the entrepreneurial story of I hated my corporate job. And so I left, you know, for some people, that's their story. And that that may that that's fine, you know, but my story was more so like it wasn't perfect, but there was an opportunity to make it work. There was a clear runway. I felt extremely valued in the organization Mm -hmm. with many options to stay. I just knew that it was time for me to do something bigger, something more and something different. And I really felt that push and that urge. And I was very clear that this was the next step, full-time entrepreneurship. And so it was so great to jump and have that parachute of not only the severance, but also a great ecosystem here in Nashville. And so Mm -hmm. one of the first things that I did was I joined Preflight in uh, the fall of 2019, shortly after my last day of work. I remember that. I remember that that class for pre-flight. It's so interesting. I feel like when I think about how Career Thrivers started, one, your pre- your presentation at pre-flight was one of the strongest that night. It was certainly the strongest that night and one of the strongest I've seen having, you know, run pre-flight for a number of years. And it sort of felt like Career Thrivers was already crafted in some ways, and it was just sort of coming out into the world. It felt more fully baked and fully formed than so many other concepts. And I'm curious... You know, I'm curious if you feel different than, say, your peers who are out there doing things. I've just been thinking about the number of your business is so young, but you've had some amazing partnerships and partnerships with Bridgestone and a number of big, big entities who are often really slow to partner or really not interested in partnering, particularly with startups. Why do you think you're do you feel different? I feel like you your behaviors and the things you've been able to achieve feel different for a two-year-old startup, essentially, two-and-a-half-year-old startup. But do you feel there's something that sets you or your business apart from others? Sure. I I say this often, again, going back to that conversation of, you know, it's a side hustle now. Should it be my full-time gig, if you will? And I think that that question for me And to answer your question, I feel like one of the best places to learn how to build a business is working inside of one. So certainly, you know, there are very successful entrepreneurs who don't have any corporate experience. But for me, my corporate experience was a big part of my value and a a big part of the differentiator for me in business because I knew the language. I knew what the, the leaders were thinking about and how they were thinking about the business. I would say the other differentiator for me, specifically within the DEI space, is the framing of the work through the lens of leadership development. I've never been in HR. And initially, 
really, I, I feared that almost. I felt like, well, you know, this work is usually categorized as, you know, human resources. My buyer, nine times out of 10, is someone that sits in HR. I don't have that experience. I never worked in that role. But really, the roles that I have worked in as a sales leader, as a marketing leader, that's really where the work of what's happening in HR really gets done. So be able yes. to being able to understand the way that a commercial leader is thinking about, okay, I understand that y'all want me to do this training, but how does this connect to my bottom line in terms of the sales goals that my team is responsible for and being able to speak that language to an executive leader and helping them understand that the work of DEI really is about the work of leadership development, I think is really what has helped me to accelerate. And of course, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention 2020 and uh, the racial reckoning of that year and just the prioritization for most corporations to say, oh, this was on the back burner. We were kind of doing it. Now let's actually do it. You know, that was just a perfect marriage of experience and trend. And so, yeah, had a had a great year. It makes total sense. And I want to just reiterate something you said for the listeners. So DEI, yes, it's HR, but DEI is leadership development because I, I just do think that's a much more nuanced way to think of it than what Many companies have thought about, mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's asset based too. It's really saying you have already got this pool of people who are aching to be leaders, who have the inherent attributes to be leaders. Let's develop that body of people as opposed to let's find the disproportionalities and fix them and tool them, even mm -hmm. though those things are part of it. So sure. I just I just really appreciate that nuance, and I hope our listeners do too. Yeah. So that brings us to today. So you're in this new role. This new role that I will just say that I feel like should be said, this title is the result of uh, Brittany's amazing negotiating skills um, <laughs> because they were not anticipating making a chief equity and inclusion officer. Mm -hmm. That was not the we had two roles that were put out when we were looking to fill my vacancy and neither of those was a chief equity and inclusion officer, although I think the org has needed that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And certainly to have parity with other similar sized startup incubators and economic development sure. engines. What what brought you here? Like what, you know, from the first time you saw it and thought about it, what brought you here? What made you say yes? What was what was your, if you had any trepidations, did you have trepidations? And then we'll get into the stuff you're excited about. But like, how do, how do we get here? How do we get sure. from growing this thriving <laughs> business, this taking off like a rocket ship to I decided to take this this role and also continue to be CEO of my company? Yes. So I feel like in answering your question, I'm also like seeing myself in coaching moments because certainly <laughs> uh, what brought me to this opportunity was a connection. So this was not on my radar at all. I've certainly been approached even by our Career Thrivers partners about opportunities within organizations. And it's always been a very firm, no, thank you. <laughs> but we can talk about this scope of work and how my organization can help you fulfill this need. So, you know, it, it, it was a it was a tap and, a, and an opportunity for me to even rethink what this could be. And so I am certainly, even inside of Pfizer, like any team member leader that I ever worked with would, would tell you about me, like I am going to look to create the opportunity that does not exist. And I think, you know, in the corporate context, like that's what it means to be an intrapreneur. And I, and I believe that just as a core value of like, you are the owner of your experience. No one else is. So if you don't see it and you're not asking for it to be, then you're not really leveraging the power to create and to really own the experience that you say you want to have. And so when I looked at the two opportunities that were available, I saw a third one. And so I approached it the way that I approach work with 
Fortune 500 companies. Let's put a proposal together and really say, help me understand where you all are, what the needs are, and then what is the work that we do at Career Thrivers and how can we partner to really help you accelerate towards where you say you want to be. And so that's what we really have here. So truly, this is innovative. And certainly there have been a lot of firsts, headlines, but really it's about a new way of thinking about the work in that the EC was willing to partner with career thrivers, with me in the role as the talent, but really leveraging my organization to help fulfill the needs for programming, to help fulfill the needs for strategic transformation, and to help fulfill the needs for really taking Twin Day to the next level. But I've really think about this opportunity as, you know, Tennessee Twin Day, which is the program, and we'll talk a lot more about it and beyond, because there's certainly some internal organizational opportunities to advance equity and inclusion. And so that's what I presented. And uh, the leadership here has been phenomenal about ensuring that in coming into the role, it's a win for the organization as far as the Entrepreneur Center is concerned, but it's also very much a win for career thrivers and Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the way that we partner with organizations and really almost testing out this model of can you step into the forefront? Because traditionally, when I'm working with a Bridgestone or a Caterpillar or an an Amazon, I'm supporting the leader that's in this role. So I'm more behind the scenes. Our team is helping to fulfill a lot of the work that may not be out on the front street, whereas this is that in terms of the work is the same, but now I'm more so in the forefront. And so, you know, could this be a model for really doing the work in an accelerated way? Uh, We'll see. (laughs) But I'm excited to be here for sure. We're excited to to have you. Tell me what falls under your purview as you kind of set out into this role? What falls under your umbrella? Sure. So I would say start with the things that, that are very similar and certainly all things Twin Day. So the Twin Day program, which is an accelerator for founders of color across the state of Tennessee. So growing and expanding that program. Uh, The Twin Day Summit, which is the event that started that program and really making the summit a Tennessee experience. And then the Twin Day Podcast. So I'm excited about this episode to transition and to get to learn from you in real time. But continuing the podcast are the three main kind of programmatic areas of focus. And then in addition to that, really looking at the membership at the EC. You know, one of the things that really excited me about this opportunity, I know that my mission is certainly, and regardless of like the title uh, that I'm specifically sitting in or or the season or role that I'm in. It's my my mission is certainly tied to helping leaders really build workplaces where anyone can thrive. So regardless yes. of who's there, are you creating the conditions where the people that come into that space, you can you can certainly maximize their full potential because they're able to show up fully. Right. And there's a lot of nuance in terms of how you get there, but that that's the bottom line. So when you think about that and what has happened, right, with most organizations that we work with, they've thought about that perhaps a little later, right, after they've thought about the business, right? So it's more of a reactive approach. And one of the things that I'm really thrilled about in being here is like, I get the opportunity to to sit and work side by side with entrepreneurs to have them think about DEI as a business imperative from the beginning so that it's not this afterthought or this reactionary response to something that's happening in society. But it's like, how do you really build a business with equity and inclusion in mind from the start? And so I'm really excited about the opportunities for career thrivers to partner with the EC to bring things like our inclusive leadership development curriculum to entrepreneurs and founders here so that they're thinking about how do I build a team? 
team from an inclusive lens? How do I look at DEI as a business imperative, even beyond the people in the workplace, to really think about how do I expand the market for my product or service in an inclusive way? And so those are the things that really excite me um, and really why I kind of have this vision in my mind or like this language that you'll hear me say about, you know, Tennessee Twin Day and beyond, because for me, that and beyond is about, yes, we have a great program, we're strengthening it, we're making it better, we're expanding it. And also there's an opportunity to ensure that other founders and other entrepreneurs and other programs here are thinking about the work of equity and inclusion. I love that. And, you know, just today I was looking at an inventory for the S- from the SEC. The SEC is now requiring, for the first time ever, you know, companies report their diversity and inclusion data and diversity reporting. And so it is increasingly becoming an imperative and not a nice to have, mm-hmm. which I would say most people of color, particularly black and indigenous people of color in workplaces, have long felt it's an imperative. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing these entities like the SEC or the ICI and these big organizations, the Forbes Forbes list, even the human rights campaigns, uh, corporate equality index, we're seeing increasingly mm-hmm. it is a, an imperative to have not just a DEI strategy, but very, very dense and well thought out and well-reasoned DEI strategy. Did I say strategy twice? I might have. You did. But DEI I, strategy, I'm, I'm definitely data, following. <laughs> DEI strategy, data. Or, you know, beyond off, the training. Exactly. Even, I think for a lot of companies, that's where you It know, might started. begin and end with mm-hmm. an anti-harassment training. Yes. Right? And so yes. it's beyond just even having someone in the seat. And mm-hmm. I mean, the report that we were looking at today is probably about 30 pages long. And so it's not, it can't be an afterthought because yep. if you ever, if your vision for your company is to go public one day or to be, to, you know, receive an acquisition or to, you know, get a buyout, these are things that good stewards of their own money are going to be asking of you because it's a risk it to is. not have a strong yeah. DEI program and to not be investing in your people, right? Sure. Because this is the, you know, we're talking about some of the fastest growing segments of the workforce, Gen Z, people of color, so on and so forth. So I love that. I think Tennessee Twin Day and Beyond can be everyone's rallying cry because there is so much opportunity. There's just so much opportunity. And all of this feeds itself, right? Like mm-hmm. the more people who grow in our ecosystem, the more leaders that grow through the businesses we incubate, the more folks are attracted to Twin Day, the more folks who come and be consumers of the EC. So it's sort of this virtuous cycle for sure. Yes. So, Bryn, we've been talking a lot about me. Let's learn a little bit more about you. So tell us, where are you transitioning to? I am transitioning to Alliance Bernstein, which is right here in town in Nashville, Tennessee, literally a mile and a half away max, but at about 20 minutes in you know traffic getting across Broadway. So I'm moving over to Alliance Bernstein as the vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion in that seat. Yeah, that's that's where I'm headed. So not far from the EC. And certainly spiritually really close to the EC and figuratively and literally close to the EC. But yes, that's where I'm going to be roosting for a while. Awesome. So still definitely continuing the work of DE&I. And when you reflect on your time here at the EC, so being the one that was leading the start of the Twin Day program and getting it ramped up, taking Mm -hmm. it statewide, what are some thoughts that you have around kind of what you're most proud of and what you're looking forward to seeing moving forward? I think the when I think of what's what's most exciting to me, and I don't know if I'll say most proud because I feel like I have to pay I have to pay respects and homage to so many different people who've been part of it. But something that's been most gratifying to see is generations of entrepreneurs coming to 
this place coming through this place, coaching mm-hmm. and supporting other people. So folks who I met in some of my early days at the Entrepreneur Center, like yourself, Karen Williams, Dominique Townsend, people who'd really either just begun grappling with this idea of entrepreneurship or had been at it for a while but really hadn't had lift yet. Seeing those folks now have success, start to have real proof of concept, beyond proof of concept, to have social proof, commercial proof, and to become the leaders of this marketplace and ecosystem and to become people that people look up to and, Mm -hmm. and are seeking out for mentorship and speaking opportunities. So I think we have a much more solid generation of entrepreneurs that are coming into their time. And before I really, when I came in, I probably spoke with maybe five or six when I think about young entrepreneurial talent under 40, mm-hmm. black or Latino entrepreneurs who were achieving exponential success or who were seen as experts in their domain. There was a, I could count it on two hands on a good day. Mm. And now I feel like both my own knowledge of network and then also seeing the network mature has been in- extremely gratifying. Seeing people stay at it and stick yeah. with it and get the success that they deserve has been really gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. If you are reflecting on like, you know, you're, what'd you say, a mile and a half away <laughs> and you're coming back to the EC, you know, a year or two from now, not that you wouldn't be back before then, but what are some things that you would say you would want to see or that you look forward to being able to see? Mm, well, I will say, I, I completely resonate with everything you've said about corporate life. I'm I am a nine to fiver till I die, or probably. <laughs> I love working for companies because of the exposure that you get to mm-hmm. they're usually the most diverse places in our lives where we work. They're usually places where we get access to unbelievable cognitive and intellectual development. I learn things every day. And so Lions Bernstein is a wealth management firm where institutions and high net worth individuals and even nonprofit organizations with endowments and pension funds come to us for us to manage their wealth, manage their money and their assets. We also produce research about industries, assets and investments, that sort of thing. And the things that I have learned about money, the things that I have learned about market potential, the things that I have learned about how, like what the goal of having money is to create, sustain, grow and transfer wealth, the things that I've learned in just three months there have really Mm. blown my mind. And it's making me think differently about entrepreneurship. We use this term a lot at the firm, first-generation wealth creators, because we're embarking on this strategy to understand how do we grow our proximity to and trust with first-generation wealth creators. Mm. There's so much money left on the table by women money makers and women wealth creators who are, are just like not being marketed to or not being marketed well to by existing financial firms. There's so much money being left on the table uh, by LGBTQ uh, LGBTQ people who are nothing's being marketed to LGBTQ folks when it comes to managing their money or their retirement mm-hmm. or their their lifelong savings or how to transfer wealth. So there's just a lot that's being left on the table. In entrepreneurship, it's making me think differently about how we coach and train entrepreneurs to think about their markets and to think about their available capacity to meet the market demand. It's also just making me think every day about money. Like, how do we help entrepreneurs understand the purpose of money? How do we help entrepreneurs get more of it? How do we help them grow it? And how do we help them understand that money is a tool 
and ultimately, I'm continuing, I'm staying on in the work by um, co-chairing the Regenerate Fund. Yes. Uh, and for the folks who don't know, the Regenerate Fund is a fund that we developed to support the founders in Twin Day with um, non-dilutive cash investments up to 10K in the first round. Last year was the first round it was administered. So I'm staying on with that. But we're currently exploring things like, do we take that money that we have in that fund? Do we put it in a Black-owned bank? That can put it in a mutual fund. Do we put it into, do we buy CDs with it? Do we buy bonds with it? How do we make that money? Like if I give $1,000 to the fund right now, what are the ways that we can ensure that it's $1,200 in a year from now or three years from now? Because we've often thought of the way to get a return from an entrepreneur is for them to hit it big. Because frankly, a lot of the people are removed. We're talk These industries are so divorced from one another, but so closely coupled in what they're trying to achieve. And so um, I'm really interested in exploring a lot of those things. Like how do we help entrepreneurs level up their financial awareness personally and professionally? How do we help entrepreneurs who have great ideas get connected with people who might want to give them money or take a risk on them and, and be a product user. These are all the things that I'm excited about. There's just, there's a ton of opportunity. And frankly, I would just love to see more people of color in this world of money. Like I just want to see more of us, you know, understand and get into this world of money and understand what motivates and excites people who look like us build trust and and build money. <laughs> Ultimately, I don't want anyone to suffer under capitalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's exciting. Uh, while, while also that's being exciting. A, a capitalist myself, I don't want anyone to suffer sure, under it. There's sure. got to be a kind of kind capitalism we can practice. And I want that for people. That's fantastic. I definitely heard partnership all through that. So <laughs> what? I mean, I'm, I'm excited to come back here. I'm excited yes, to come get Twin Day people to, need to come present at the all of that, all of it, all of it. And, you know, I mean, I did not do really anything. You know, you were in this world for so long. I didn't really do anything on internal diversity, equity, inclusion in terms of staff mm. at the mm -hmm. EC because we were such a small body. Sure. And frankly, it, it felt like if I had to spend my time and if I had to choose how I'm going to spend my time this week, I'm going to spend it on entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But I'm really excited when I think about two years from now to see what the work you're doing is going to do to help this organization itself continue to move forward in its diversity, equity, and inclusion journey to help all of our businesses move forward into their diversity, equity, and inclusion journeys. I want all the businesses that come through this company, this business, this organization, whether they be Black-owned, Latino-owned, LGBTQ-owned, to feel white-owned, to feel really equipped to lead in this new world that we're going into. I want all of them to feel that. And I think that's that's going to be much more likely to be true with you at the helm than anyone else. So I'm excited for that. Well, thank you. And I'm I'm <laughs> so excited about that work. Certainly in, you know, speaking with the leadership team and getting to this place, that was definitely a highlight, an opportunity for more. And so I'm really excited about that because the the cultivation of leadership capacity and competencies is certainly something that I see being left out of the entrepreneurship yes. conversation. And yes. certainly if you are a chief executive officer and you are building teams, it is important. It's vital. It to, is. Yeah. Your, your bottom line and, and the culture of the organization. So I'm certainly excited about that work. And the second you go and run your own company, you lose out on all those things. Like if you're in a corporate, if you have a corporate yes. job, you're going to go to trainings <laughs> on DEI. You're going to go to conferences. You're mm -hmm. going to go to things that your company puts on that if it's a modern company or if it's in the Fortune 500 or Inc. 500, it probably is doing progressive, contemporary, modern trainings. But the second you go and run your own company, 
you're you're wild west in it. So you know you're losing the out moment. on a lot of that development. <laughs> you're, and you're so focused on the business that mm-hmm. you're losing potentially opportunities to learn and grow on your adaptive and values based leadership. So I yes. I think that's huge. And Lord knows we don't need any more stories about CEOs run amok. I think I've had just about enough Theranos as I can get. Yeah. So let's let's help all the CEOs be the developed leaders they want to be. Indeed, my friend. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you. I must say on behalf of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for the countless hours, energy, the thoughts, all of the positive intentions to make the entrepreneurs here in Nashville, all of them feel like this is a place where they can come and build their business and truly thrive. So we appreciate you. I'm so grateful to have done it. And congrats to you, Brittany. I'm so excited to see what you'll do in this role over the next few years. And here we go. Thank you for listening to Twin Day, Stories of Entrepreneurial Success, a podcast that features the stories of incredible Black and Latinx founders who are accelerating the pace of change in the startup world. We want this show to support you and reflect the realities that entrepreneurs face every day. So your feedback is much appreciated. For a recap and transcript of this episode, and to learn more about the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, including the Twin Day program, go to ec.co slash Twin Day. If you learned something from today's episode, please follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you again to the David and Rebecca Clements family for the generous support that makes this podcast possible. Until next time.